Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. Sort We're good. Out. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Thanks for having us on your show. Yeah. It feels Thanks, like y'all should know what you're doing at this point. Yeah. Well, I, isn't that how the show goes? That we don't know what we're doing? Yes. I mean, I don't know that what they I'm don't doing. know what they're doing, Chris. You gotta. You that gotta we don't know this. what we're doing. Oh my god! <laughs> to be clear, I am Chris Keithley. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that there's enough room for two of you. <laughs> I know, right? Oh my god! <laughs> we had to widen I mean, the doors. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. So glad to have you on. I know that you don't actually do welcomes or anything like that. Um, so You've already butchering this impression. <laughs> already butchering Loser. this impression. Somebody, some, I asked, I asked, uh, I went in one of the Slack channels. I was like, all right, guys, I'm going to do my best Chris Keithley impression. What do you guys think I need to do? And they were just like, we'll just write a bunch of libraries. <laughs> <laughs> Caveat, you need to write a bunch of libraries that nobody uses. That's not <laughs> true. <laughs> Continually produce actually, more libraries. I, I will, I will, I will, uh, I will, uh, uh, what is it called? I will flatter you even further oh, by no. admitting it was Greg Vaughn who said, write some awesome libraries. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. There you go. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's a high compliment from a high person. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's high, literally. Yeah, like, he <laughs> Trans- <laughs> figuratively high, not literally high. Um, sorry, Greg. <laughs> and for people who can't see Justice, Justice is physically doing his best Keithley impression with an outlaw shirt. And a backwards cap. Yeah. That yeah. Um, I even grew matches. my hair out for this over a whole year, oh, <laughs> and, and a little bit of five o'clock shadow. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's the best I could do. <laughs> I respect it. It's not a Chris Keithley five o'clock shadow, but, but yeah, it'll but do. You know, it Sorry. works. <laughs> yeah, you, I started thinking about this a year ago. I was like, I'll grow out my hair, and I started thinking about the five o'clock shadow at five o'clock this morning. There you go. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> So uh, my understanding of the show is that normally you guys banter off topic, and then you, you mention a library. So um, Axon, have you guys heard of this? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's wait, uh, it's in my Twitter too, feed. W- wait a second, you are too early in the show. We to have be more bantering. About. Yeah, yeah, to be talking about. Uh, like, sorry, what are you doing? Sorry, I'm really new to this. <laughs> I'm really new to this. What having conversations with other humans? <laughs> <laughs> Specifically the humans part. <laughs> Inanimate objects, I've got plenty of experience. Yeah, right. Plants in particular. It's a real like Wilson situation over there. <laughs> I found that vegetables make the best conversationalists. Yeah. Yeah. That makes them happier too, and I think they grow better. Is that how that I works? Grow into my belly. Yeah. Yeah. There's like uh there's Is that why I science. can't grow anything? I don't talk <laughs> yeah. to them. There's probably science nice. Yeah. yeah. This is like this is like any any of our like modern sciences that get disproved within like a century. Um did you guys hear about this Amy Cuddy thing? Wasn't her whole body language thing disproven? What? Oh, thing? what no, are you talking about? I don't know. Say more. Uh Amy So you you've seen that TED talk where she goes and she says, Oh, you want to do the Wonder Woman pose to feel good before you go into a meeting or something? I've heard that before. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it got debunked because it's social science, so, like, necessarily, it will always be debunked eventually. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the ironclad law of social science. Whatever you find, just 10 years later, someone will try to duplicate your findings and realize it doesn't work. Well, as well, society like, like, changes, a, too, right? I was going to say, it's computer science papers that talk about the efficacy of any given, um, you know, technique or tactic. And then it's always uh-huh, caveated uh-huh. with, as tested on the 10 undergraduates who showed up to my study that day. <laughs> like, you know. It's like, we need a larger sample size of college students. Yeah. <clears throat> I, uh, I, I found a cross-cutting section of the five people who would talk to me for, to do this study. And I really feel like that is an exemplar of why TDD doesn't work. <laughs> to be fair, the hard sciences are also notoriously unreliable. If you ever look at a graph of the speed of light over time, Mm-mm. they call it a constant. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> uh, and never don't don't do any research into the efficacy of double blind studies either. <laughs> that will break you. Oh, it's yeah, a little well, bit. Don't like, do the research. It's a little bit like learning, like reading a little bit too much about anesthesia, where you're like, oh, oh no. Oh, oh, this is terrifying. Like you you know, so you're you saying I deep. die? Yeah, so yeah. you're saying I'm just dead. <laughs> 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 we 
we don't, we don't actually <laughs> know how this works. We're just going to stick it in your body, and usually people come back. Hope for the best, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like electromagnets still. Like uh, like when you study electromagnets in EE, it's ba- you're, you know, you, people tell you that there's math, and there is math to some degree, but most of the math is look in this book, and we just had a bunch of undergraduates take these different metals and then wrap them with wire various times and test them a lot. <laughs> and that's what we know. So, so, so I, I got another suggestion from the audience about how to impersonate Chris. And so this is an exact quote. It says, you need to say that I've been doing a lot of thinking on this. And I declare that science is not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and by the way, they, it wasn't science. It said insert noun here. I'm pretty sure science is a noun. So yeah, nailed it. Winning. Killed it. <laughs> Crushed that is probably it. We can go home, I, everybody. That is probably something I do. Oh crap! <laughs> no, just, this is like when you, when you learn, you say certain things. Oh no! You do Refactoring say Refactoring is not a thing. Business logic, not, not a thing. A thing. <laughs> it's not a thing. It isn't though. But neither of those things are things. Like, it is really weird to like. It is weird when you actually study what you you say. commonly say. Totally. Um, I noticed when I used to be like a big Photoshop person, if I were Photoshopping somebody's face, I'd get to know their face really well. And that was like weird for me if I was like doing headshots for my coworkers or something. But then the the audio side of that, um, I was testing out Descript the other day, the like podcast editing thing. Oh yeah. And it, it, it prints out a transcript of everything you say. And the way you talk and the way you write is so different. Um, apparently I say, so you know a lot instead of um or er or like, and um, Justice repeats a bunch of words before you get started. And Eric, can, can you go more into that? Because you said this to me one time, and I was wondering what you meant when you I'll said have I to go, repeat a lot of words. I'll have to. It, uh, if you were to say a word, like let's say the word research, you might say research, like before you oh, get so into. Oh, so I have a stutter. <laughs> I mean, it looks like that on on a transcript. Are you belittling my speech impediment? I'm not. I'm by science wow, wow. looking I'm, into I'm, the I'm way we all talk. My childhood trauma has been lifted to the surface <laughs> for all to see. I was traumatized by the so you know. I before. said it 90 times in the course of one episode. <laughs> that was my transition. That was how I uh, started a Just sentence. Just so you know, I had a childhood stutter, speech impediment, so. So 90, 90 words in an entire episode is basically <laughs> how many words story. Amos was able to get in in an episode. <laughs> is that and because most of those are um, very strong um, opinions? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I was, I was, yeah, I, I own this. I, I listen. I'm aware of the score at this point. I'm aware of the nature of this podcast. <laughs> I talk a lot. I think it was episode one where. I like right off the bat, like we got like five minutes in and you said, well, actually, and Anna just died laughing. <laughs> Please tell me he had glasses on and pushed them up at the same time. <laughs> got my vaccine today. Nice. Ooh, oh, nice. Congratulations. Congrats. Did you, uh, were you immediately compelled to buy a Zoom? Uh, no, they told me because I'm allergic to bee stings, I had to sit down there for 30 minutes and. So I was immediately 30. like, uh, now what am I going to do? And they had me stare at a wall and sit in a chair. So you weren't <laughs> able to buy the Zoom yet? No. Mm, no. Gotcha. <clears throat> Not on the Zoom. A what? A Zoom. The you know, from Microsoft? No, all right, let's, let's skip this joke. Let's just move on. <laughs> oh, 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 from back in the day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. People thought that that was like a cool thing. That was like the, like the Nokia of uh, MP3 players. My ex-girlfriend <laughs> uh, had one. I had one. Is that why she's your ex? Uh, no, she's my ex <laughs> because she cheated on me with my best friend. Those things are correlated, I feel like. I feel like. <laughs> okay, on our show, this would be the point where we say. <laughs> That's where we edit that, that out. That we're becoming correlated as <laughs> science. Yes, people? Yeah, um, no, I feel like there is, I personally science, feel like there is some science. amount of correlation between Zune and infidelity. Okay, the digging okay. Wow. <laughs> you, you I called her say, your ex, but I you didn't call say, him your ex-best friend. As someone who owned a Zune, for me it was more about, like, I didn't like that everyone who had an iPod was, like, so cool, and I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to be different. <laughs> I have the one thing that nobody else has, and I liked it. I actually liked it. I think, um, was it... 
uh, iTunes didn't let you put on your own music or, or something? Was that what that was? I can't remember now. I liked, a lot of my friends like made their own music, so I got to put it on there, on my MP3 player. Dare to be different. Dare to, yeah, don't listen. Think different. Don't let anyone else zoom down. (laughs) (laughs) Either that or Visual Studio Code. I assume you installed Visual Studio Code at this point after your vaccine, post-vaccine. I'm about to. Uh, Everybody I work with is using it, and, you know, I use Emacs and Vim, like, for 20 years I've used Emacs and Vim. And now I'm like, okay, maybe Visual Studio has code has ended the, uh, the editor wars. On what basis? It does everything except for org mode. So, <laughs> it, like, it's um, and the sharing of code, it, like both people typing at the same time, all of it, it does it yeah, without configuration. Like, good. it's pretty amazing. Live sharing, live sharing has been there for a few mm-hmm. years. I used that in 2018. Mm-hmm. We'll have to come have you guys all back on our show so we can disabuse you of these false notions. <laughs> what are your I'm feelings on things, Justice? I'm still using Emacs, so I'm only aware of one text editor. So Notepad plus plus <laughs> no, no Notepad yeah. plus plus. Come on, yeah. <laughs> Eric. What do you think the breakdown is at Smart Logic of people who use VS Code? I feel like it's more than half. Well, there's people that use Vim. Yeah, and then there's I, I think everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, four of us that use three or four of us that use Vim, and I think the rest are VS Code. There was an Adam Straggler for a while. Uh, <laughs> oh, and we have we have one person who has uh, she has VS Code is like her main editor, but she has like Sublime Text as like a Notepad type thing, and it's just yeah, it's always fun to see that slide in and. And like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> you have all the online editors that are being based off of what Quill now, so they have all the same shortcuts as VS Code. Like the the new Livebook thing that just came out has Ooh, all yes. of the shortcuts of VS 17 Code. Seventeen minutes in, so we're if, on once, a you, once you're learning all these shortcuts, you might as well apply them everywhere you can. So Livebook. Uh, what is what is the didn't too long didn't read on Livebook? Have you ever heard of Jupyter Notebooks? It's Jupyter Notebooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's Jupyter Notebooks. Oh, sorry. I forgot this is your show. You guys probably don't do this like, oh, give me the context. No, no, no. We do. We do. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I knew about it. I know what Jupyter Notebooks are. In case, in well, case actually, anyone is not, uh, in, in case anyone's not aware. <laughs> Keithley, you missed um, the well, actually. In case anyone's not aware, uh, live book is a new thing in the Elixir world. And um, I have not used it yet, so I cannot... I don't. I, I can't claim any amount of actual knowledge. I've seen what so I've seen. Once what I've seen you've on done, Twitter. once you've done some thinking about it, I'll let you, you know. You can declare it not a thing. Uh, no, no, it's a thing. It'll be. A, it's totally a thing. It seems like Jupyter Notebooks. I don't know, but it's Elixir, right? And I don't know what the difference between it and Jupyter Notebooks is, and any of that. But it's just going to be better. Probably right. Uh, like we would, I would assume, yeah, just better. Yeah. Better, faster, stronger, less well-known. Mm-hmm. Let's just one, say one I will the... mysteriously note that something fun may be coming as a result of Livebook. Oh, nice. Hmm. I'm excited. That's cool. That's all I have is to that, say. That's all you're going to say? Yeah. This is like uh, this is like a Barnum effect thing where you just predict an obviously <laughs> true thing that's going to happen. Like, oh, this new technology will result in other new technologies. <laughs> Don't ask me how I know. Don't ask me how I know. Mm-hmm. This is, Don't this ask is, me how I know. This is tarot know what card I was reading, say, but Justice. with technology. Like, <laughs> we, we have one of the people at the office that stood it up on a server and is using it to keep notes when we're working on projects. And that's cool. So that's, that's pretty nice that everybody on the project can hop in and you can write code that runs right there. Whoa. They did that in like a day. They released it in a day, yeah. Did they write the whole thing in a day? Is that what you're saying? No, no I mean, like, <laughs> I just heard about this, like, a couple days Wait. ago. I feel like if you stood it up on a – you must have just, like, immediately Oh, yeah, he, he – within, like, an hour, he had it running in a Docker container on his local computer because he didn't want – it writes to your file system, mm-hmm. and he didn't want people to be able to write to the file system. So now – I feel like you should name drop this wizard. Chad, Chad Fennell. Yeah, he deserves it. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, that's cool. I, I I need to get around to it. It's like that. How do we? How, how What have we landed on in terms of how do we pronounce NX? Exactly NX. like that. 
in X. We're not calling it Nix. Oh, I thought it was no. just X. I thought it was a silent in. <laughs> Nox. <laughs> well, Nix is a thing, so. Yeah. But do we, never, we, we don't want to overload. That has not stopped anybody from creating anything with the same name. <laughs> true, Look, I, so I thought about it a lot, and Nix is not a thing. Okay, NX is what we're going. With. <laughs> I, I got that queued up. I got that queued up as well. I haven't even tried or, that out yet. Inks, 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 inks. inks. So <laughs> seems like it seems cool though. Like it seems as much as it is probably a thing that like. I will, I, I don't know, I need to get in there and play with it. As much as a thing that doesn't immediately grab me is like, I need to install this today, it seems very cool. I do That's wonder if this will, like, I'm always thinking about what's the next thing that will help more people, make this more accessible to more people. And I, every time I see something new, like Live View was a thing, I was like, oh, people are going to like that as an alternative to React. And then this came out and this, I was thinking, oh, this will, people will like this because they'll get to play around with Elixir more and then get to know it and maybe they'll be interested in looking at it more. Maybe it's like a snippet, a teaser. I don't know. I haven't used it too much either. <laughs> Keith, nah. No, you don't think so? Okay. No, I don't think so. Um, I don't think people, what's the right way to say this? Early adopters adopt stuff because it's cool. Um, uh, early adopters yeah. make up a small subset of cool? the actual... Yeah, because it's cool. Early adopters adopt stuff that they're interested in, right? That's true. By definition. They are definitionally early adopters of things, right? And they self-select into stuff, and then they self-select out of stuff into the next thing. Like that That's a different subset aggregate. of people that I'm talking about, though. I'm talking about, right. like, right now, we're all ev Elixir evangelists, and our friend comes along and is like, oh, yeah, I was thinking about getting into that. I don't know, like, where to start. Uh, I don't know. Like, what's a 30-second teaser for me to, like, figure out Elixir? If there was a live book that you could just like send somebody and have them tinker around with it without installing oh, anything, doing any like a uh, like a there's a developer yeah. who like may be interested, and for us the evangelists who are always pushing Elixir down our dev friends, <laughs> um, you know, does yeah. it make it easier for us? <laughs> I that that's a different thing that I was thinking, and I think yeah, in that regard, sure, very lowering the barrier to entry, super good. My general, what I was getting at is like, I don't think people, I don't think pragmatists adopt languages because of language features. I think le pragmatists adopt languages because of other pragmatists. Like, mm -hmm. um, and so like any new cutting edge technology thing that you add to a language is not a marketing vehicle for pragmatists because that's not mm -hmm. why they're there. What it is a marketing vehicle for is all the people who love your thing already and you get them further excited and you hopefully use that to attract more pragmatists, mm -hmm. right? Because it becomes safe mm -hmm. to use it. Mm -hmm. um, that's my general. Yeah. So yeah. do we want to talk about Axon since we're kind of what is it? here? I don't even know oh, what that is. Gosh, it's so <clears throat> cool. Okay, so someone took an X. Like, this is, the, I mean, I, I just love these people that like a new thing comes out and they're immediately on top of it. Uh, so I guess it was Sean Moriarty, maybe? Yeah, I mean, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah he, that was right. So, so, Wrote the the genetic algorithms in Elixir book, yeah, right. So I I hope that Rival it was him. But I'm he took NX. Thank you for yeah. saying it. <laughs> Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes reference slid in there. <laughs> Elementary, my dear Watson. Something something. Ba Baskerville hounds. Okay, uh, uh, Axon. So Axon uh, is a is a neural network library built on top of NX. Cool. Um, That's cool. So it's I th yeah I think it's like. TensorFlow and Elixir is, I think, what they're going for. So, yeah, it looks super cool. Uh, very well documented. Um, really nice syntax. Uh, they've already got a number of algorithms built into it. It looks pretty great. Can't wait to use it. Um, I want to get Sean on the, the show ASAP. We don't have a guest. Our show? Which show? Yeah, which show? show? <laughs> our, our show or our, our show? Eyebrow raising over there. <laughs> Eyebrow raising makes for, All for, the shows. for good audio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the audience already knows us. They can just yeah, they can telepathically sense the vibe. The um, yeah. all that stuff seems super cool. Like all the, all, I'm glad that somebody is doing all the ML stuff, like making that making that story really approachable in Elixir. That's cool for me. We're like we're looking into it now. We we've, we've been working on a camera system for a while that detects falls in hospitals. And currently, all the ML stuff is using Python, Jupyter mm -hmm. Notebooks, and some of the stuff now, 
Um, not all of our models can be transferred over out of Python, but some of the stuff can be transferred over out of Python and into Elixir. And oh, I think that's, cool. that's the process that we're going to try to move to going forward just so that there's one stack instead of, you know, 20. Mm-hmm. Or two. Two, 20. What's 22, same thing. No yeah. <laughs> and you, you could certainly do that before, right? Like I have friends who built a uh, effectively a control plane in Elixir to serve uh, the online results from a TensorFlow model that they like pre-baked using Python and a bunch of GPUs. And then you just, they wrote C bindings for mm-hmm. in a NIF for mm-hmm. all of the uh, for all the Elixir stuff, and they served all the online results with Elixir, just calling into TensorFlow via NIF, which is like a thing you could do before. Um, but it's cool to be able to do the training aspect of it now in Elixir right. as well. Yeah, that's true. that's cool. We worked with someone who did that, but in Rust, I think, and then they also Sounds stopped right. doing that. And I, I don't know. Um, can we, cause this is kind of also related, Eric, this article you posted in one of our Slack channels, there is a pair. First of all, do you want to give the affirmative case for what this article is saying? And then I will, the, the, the one uh, from last night where machine learning is a marvelously executed scam. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a dream. It's Did I read right. that in the middle of the night and then go back to sleep? That sounds right. I was like, uh, so, sound like so my dream. Eric, you give the, like, <laughs> you know, TLDR uh, affirmative case for what they're saying. And then I'm going to read one particular paragraph out of it. And I want everybody to tell me if any of the statements that this person made are true. Are you getting ready okay. to read so, a whole paragraph? <laughs> no, it's not a too long. It's, 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 it's a pretty short paragraph. Say this, is good so this, this is from uh, last week in AWS, which if you don't follow Corey Quinn on so good. Twitter, so, he's very, so good. yeah, he's so very, good. he's hilarious. Yeah. So the, like the the gist of it is that like the Amazon recognition doesn't talk about how it helps as a business case. It just says we got lots of ML. It'll help you, <laughs> and like that's about it. And so the it's like the more the more a marketing website says we got ML versus not like here's how it helps you. The more of a like useless thing it is. Sounds is about the, right. Is the takeaway. That sounds right. It's like the big data conversations from like 15 years ago. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. I've cool. thought about this a lot, guys, and I'm yeah. pretty sure in machine learning is not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> savage, savage. All right. So, so let me read to you the, the three central claims that he's making to make this point, And you can tell me if any of them are, are, are true. Okay. So he says, to use AI slash ML effectively, you need three ingredients that are universally agreed upon by everybody. First is a vast quantity of data, which you will invariably pay your cloud provider an eye-wateringly large pile of money for. The second is a lot of compute power, specifically GPUs, which are specialized form of compute and costs significantly more. And the third is people who are trained in this arcane form of wizardry who are a <laughs> lot like regular software engineers, except they cost a lot more money. Yeah, all three of those all are true. All three are, all three are, are yes. All three are yeah. super true. Yes, totally yeah. correct. Okay, so, so really... <laughs> Yeah, because I don't. Hundred percent. Who who goes to AWS to buy the data? I mean, like, well, no, it's it's hosting the data. Yeah. So you're 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 putting like terabytes or petabytes or whatever data, of data yeah. in in their cloud, which costs like a lot of what, money. Ten cents a gig or something like yeah. that. It, so. the data. It's really be cr- the data. And the third is that software engineers are basically, or data scientists are basically software engineers, but yes, cost more. Yes. Yes. Hundred percent. Yes. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I don't think so. Have you? I feel have like you a lot of how many? How many data scientists have you hired? <laughs> I've worked with many. <laughs> I mean, I'm so expensive. They're <laughs> not iOS <laughs> developer expensive, but they are super expensive. Yeah, you should you should compare paychecks <laughs> next was, time. <laughs> I, well, no, I know they get paid more, but I also feel like they're because they're doing something that's just harder. Oh, it's not. No. Also, hold on. There so. are different kinds of data scientists, though. We just well, talked I mean, about this on our show about how like. Data science is a very large, enveloping, like all-encompassing word now for a lot of different people in different fields. There are some data scientists that aren't who don't consider themselves engineers at all. Look, I'm saying this out of all humility, which you'll never get from me ever again. (laughs) It is a lot harder to do it like advanced math than it is to spin up a CRUD application. You you 
That presumes that you... Okay, so, okay. Mm. Rewind. Well, actually. That assumes that you're doing a lot. So, like, a lot of the a lot of the algorithms that we use, that are used for ML these days, are created by a very small percentage of people. And those people legitimately make Nailed a it. shit ton of money. A lot of money. Oops. We, we curse like, on our show sometimes. Yeah, that's it true. I can't, I'm trying to remember. Um, they make a lot of money, but everybody else uses them, uses those algorithms. And those people yeah. aren't the ones yeah. coming up with the algorithms, right? They're I, effectively... Yeah kind of crud apping in a different way, right? They're using existing algorithms. Yes. I feel like the, the floor is a lot higher. I don't know. I feel like the floor is a lot higher. Like I've met, you know, don't okay. I love software engineers, but I feel like the floor of getting into web development is like somewhere around here. And it's high compared to like, I don't know. Oh man, I don't want to like uh, PHP. Yeah, uh, you want to pull the rip? Do you want to pull the rip cord? You want to you pull the rip cord on, yeah. what, on whatever it is you're about to say? <laughs> I, I was like going no because I I've got a ton of respect for like the trades, so I was going to say something like roofing, but then no, I was wait. like, oh, roofing's probably <laughs> really smart. Than building and I don't know anything about roofing it. Roofing is way harder, exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, I don't know. There's no easy jobs. Um, um, like being a politician is like somewhere way down here, right? And being like a software engineer is probably like. <laughs> Several orders of magnitude above that, and then being a data scientist is like the floor has got to be slightly above that no, of the software. No, listen, no, absolutely no. not. No, I mean it, it depends on what you quantify as like it, it. It it it's all the same thing of like I don't know. Do you guys have counterexamples? Like, are there some really dumb yes. data no, scientists in can't. your life? I can't. I mean, there's dumb. There's dumb everybody. Please listen, name them. Statistically speaking, fifty percent of people are below them. average. Like, oh, like, my I don't God. Know. <laughs> They have to be. <laughs> yeah, but are 50 are data scientists below average? What I'm saying is that a lot of people, I've worked with a lot of these I, people. I feel like if here's 50 the bell curve, of, data scientists are 50 over 50% of, of data scientists that, are below average data scientists. There you go. <laughs> right. But as far as people go, they're like way there in the are, top, like 5%. Uh, as far, no, I mean, it. Nah, top 25%. I'll say that. TensorFlow <laughs> is so weaponized. Like, you have to be one standard deviation above average to be a data scientist. Here's the, here's the, here's here's my pushback on that. Um, most yeah. of the time, data science teams work in their own vacuum, where like uh-huh. they are not embedded in the rest of the company. Thus, they can do whatever, and you justify it by saying it's data, right? And so you can kind of get away with doing a lot of things, like including building models that may or may not work, right? Like I've worked with those people who just built models, but building a model really just meant how do I wire up Python into my Hadoop cluster with Storm so that I or, or Spark or whatever so I can like run all these all these jobs. I mean, there are truly people to to Anna's point, there are people who are out there basically inventing a science. And those people are doing incredible like interesting work. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that. I think the rank and file amount of people doing like quote unquote deep, you know, deep neural networks or stuff, it's like, no, dude, you needed like naive bays for this. And like that's Yeah, but isn't that also true for software? Yeah, absolutely. So so we're saying the same thing, right? Like it's like there are well, no, because I'm saying that we've got a normal distribution of data scientists and we've got a normal distribution of software engineers. And the the distribution for one, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, the smartest software engineer is definitely just as smart as the smartest data scientist, but the average software engineer I mean, look, it's just I mean, I almost think mathematically, of course, you're gonna have way more people now. In software engineering, broadly speaking, and the average would be lower. I, I think that you can take a high school student, any motivated high school student, and turn them into a starting position data scientist in the same amount of time that you can turn them into a starting position web developer. Uh, and, I think and that the bar for I'd, understanding what you're doing in data science would preclude but, a but lot. But that's more the thing people. is, like, for, the, the for primitives most are just things, much more complex. For the, most okay, okay, things, whoa, you don't whoa. have to understand a whole lot to do it because of the tools in the background don't require you to understand how. I really how, thought my humility here would go how, over really how, well. How many people? Counterpoint. 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 How many people build a login page that don't know anything about crypto? How many people can create a login page that don't know anything? Literally 99% of them. Yeah, right. same nailed thing. Nailed it. <laughs> Yeah. There, there's a course yeah. called Fast, Go, Fast AI. Does a course. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I took you it. took it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what Justice is trying dumb? to say is he's better than the average. Yeah. No, I'm saying I'm dumb. <laughs> I'm saying data science is hard. Say, like it was much easier for me to learn web development than it was for me to learn data science. Like way harder. And maybe that's just me because I'm dumb. Um, which I'm perfectly willing to admit. 
Here, okay, your head I'm going to shift to a philosophical topic. <laughs> I have become very happy to admit that I'm dumb, and here's the reason why: because only a dumb person can call other people dumb. Because real recognize real, dumb recognize dumb. <laughs> a smart person looks at a dumb person, and you know I don't know what they think because I'm not one of them. But like I look at a smart person, I'm just confused. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have no idea this is an alien to me, right? And, but but I see other dumb people. I'm like, aha, yeah, one of my people. <laughs> I that the mark of becoming um, I don't know I think what really was. good at this job is realizing all the crap you don't know. And yes. yes, but at the same time, there is a ton of there's a ton of resources out there uh, to do all kinds of like stuff with machine learning. And most of machine learning is expertise. Like most of machine learning, most of the hard parts, the truly hard parts of machine learning are like feature selection. And that's expertise driven. It's not anything to do with math. Right. You mean like domain expertise? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. finding the actual facets and like munging data such that it actually is useful and like verifying sure, sure. results, right? Not in a like uh, Facebook, like Panopticon dystopian kind of way where like you just gather all the data and you're like, did it move a key metric? And like, that's all you, that's all you look at. Um, and most of the time people implement that stuff really wrong. Like most of the automated systems when it comes to like figuring out how the efficacy of your model that stuff is wrong. Mm. There's entire papers written about people building feedback loops into the system where they believed that what they were, the choices they were making in their models were mm. leading them towards the right thing. And what people were actually mm. doing is like logging out. <laughs> like, right. Is this why the Spotify recommend keeps getting worse like year after year? Probably, yeah, because they've continued to add more it's people. It's a feedback loop. There it's is also, actually, there is a cap. There is a, there's like a four year like uh, a point in which like you're only going to get the same recommendations unless you vastly branch out to different music it can't it will just spiral in on itself and just let's, give you the same response let's also step back and look at this right so who is what was the best quote unquote like recommendation system out there right it was like all these papers that netflix wrote who the hell thinks netflix's recommendations are good <laughs> not a single human being that i know and talk to on a daily basis well, and yet that's like the cutting edge paper that everybody's replicating and it's like yeah because you weaponized it in tensorflow or you weaponized it in numpy or whatever like or pytorch or one of these things mm -hmm. and like you just you just applied it that's not expertise yeah. Or that's not that's not actually being good at data science, right? That's doing what someone else did and hoping that your results are okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say this. First of all, I love that you use the word weaponized because it's the same word that I like. I mean, exactly in the same context too, which is like it's in software engineering, people say, okay, you need to learn the fundamentals to be really good at so software engineering. But I also say you need to learn the abstraction. You need to be able to weaponize abstractions, even if you don't understand what they're doing underneath. Um, and I think the same is probably true for data science. Um, and, and I think is in agreement with what you guys are saying that you don't, a lot of people don't understand what's going on under the hood and they're using it and they're, and, they're, and things are happening. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm just glad that, um, that I got to, uh, uh, play the devil's advocate there for a minute. And, uh, you guys all disagreed with me, which, uh, verifies that I'm probably, I'm probably wrong here. So you said think, you're done. So <laughs> not my fault. Famous. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't disagree with, with your, I don't, I don't disagree with the part of the premise that is like, if I had, if I, I'm, I'm now going to tell, uh, let's start, let's say this. I'm going to tell you what I'm hearing you say, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. What I'm hearing you say is learning the actual math that goes into machine learning it's requires different. you to have a certain background in, uh, at minimum, linear algebra and probably differential equations and probably calculus and probably all these other things. And you need to know that if what you're going to do is invent science from whole cloth yes and understand like why the things that you're composing together do the things my disagree i don't disagree with that at all and like i went through that fast ai course and went through all that other like i went through andrew ing's like old like coursera course like and that was pretty that was like if you don't know linear algebra already that was a kind of a challenging course yeah yeah for sure right and it, for me yeah, it was like yeah. oh crap i gotta i have to go like gotta go to a book and remember how to do all this junk and like how this stuff works um Totally don't disagree with that. I disagree with the premise that that is a requirement to do d data science. Mm, mm, okay. That's, I mean, yeah, that's fair. I would not state that as a premise just because I don't know enough. My impression of, of this, like, data scientists generally being, like, smarter than me is from my interactions with them. And, and 
um, they, they do, like most of the people I've met that work in data science do actually understand th the math like way better than I do, mm -hmm. right? Which is why I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, the bar is really high because these people all know this stuff, you know, linear But it's algebra. all relative, uh, right? Like it's hard to tell how much, because you have less experience, it's hard to tell yeah. how deep. Some, I feel like when someone's talking about something that you don't have a lot of depth in, and I'm not saying that these mm. people don't have depth in that, but it's also hard to tell how deep the knowledge right. goes if you don't have any to contrast it with, right? It's like, it's right. like Keith Lee saying, people can build a login page and have no idea, I did not understand crypto at all, right? And they, know, and they may talk yeah. about an abstraction, but actually not understand what's happening on, under the hood, right? Yeah. I can't, I mean, I can't believe, um, like 15 year old me would not believe I'm saying this, but I actually do want to go back and like try to understand the math. I didn't understand it. Same. In, in, yeah. I am actually okay, I was, unanimous agreement. We all wish we knew math better. Yeah. This are really I, But good. also like on that, I wish I hadn't sold my stupid, expensive calculus books from college. Right? <laughs> well, I just I did didn't want to move with back. them anymore. I think that the, the underlying point, though, that I think is interesting is, like, to become, to do really develop expertise. And I think it less speaks less about, natu like, natural, uh, like, your natural ability to um, learn something. But the, the curiosity to go understand, the, the curiosity to, to dive a level deeper and to go understand something, not just use the tools at hand, but, like, understand how they work like that's actually how you develop expertise and actually become mm -hmm. really good at what you're doing right like not just living yeah. with like the day-to-day -day abstractions and that being okay and like that's the difference and i think it speaks less to like a person's aptitude as much as like curiosity and willingness to to learn yeah something. i am um, like similarly when i was i think i told eric and justice this but when i was helping my parents clean out their basement i found like my first computer science 101 like midterm where I got 51 out of 100, and the professor said, if you got a 50 out of 100 or below, come see me. And I was like, yes, I don't have to go see her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was looking at all the questions, and I was like, A, I know all the answers now, and B, how did they expect anybody to write these brackets <laughs> with pencil? <laughs> right? What are pe people are out of their mind. When it comes to giving computer science tests. <laughs> do you know why they do that, by the way? Why? I found this out. That's an ABET thing. Oh. oh. ABET? It's an the accreditation, accreditation thing. It's an uh. accreditation thing that they're required to, like, you're required to submit tests in specific ways or you can't pass ABET accredit accreditation. Which is why so computer scientists have to write freaking with pencil. So then C++. they plus plus. Yeah, they take off and a the letter grade because you forgot to put a semicolon at the end, or whatever. yeah, that's <laughs> that. That was the part that blows my mind. Like, okay, fair. I should have gotten a fifty-one out of hundred on that test for sure, but not because of the bracket placement. <laughs> but um, I mean, I don't that really that I shows. I ever had to write out code on a test. There are other ways to get, but I don't know that the, I went to accredited schools. Well, I there's guess. there's other ways to get past the. There's other ways to conform to the accreditation process, but that's like mm -hmm. the easiest, like lowest barrier way to do it. I remember a lot of uh, zipping up, uh, jet, well, no net net beans projects. Oh sweet Jesus! Yeah, wow. That's a that's a, that's a, that's a type of pain. I actually, I looked really strongly into the accreditation process a while ago just because of, like, uh, my involvement with IEEE, and I was just trying to understand it. I still don't get it. No. It's, <laughs> it's, so it's madness. Confusing. The whole thing is madness. I think the last time we were on, we talked about how I gamed the financial aid system in college. Yeah, yes. That was on your show. Oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah. But you, and then you cut it all out. <laughs> Did they really? You cut it out. I listened to that episode. Yeah, we talked. Oh, that. that's probably good. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it was. A, I don't think it was Rose illegal. I, I have no say. Rose cuts out. <laughs> they own. Yeah, they cut things far. out. Yeah, yeah. Your show I mean, is I definitely more on, on topic than our show. You cut out my my <laughs> amazing impression of uh, the Hufflepuff sitting there watching Harry Potter win yet again. No, 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 no. Wait, that Harry was at Potter. the end. Can that was at the end. Go to the end. Yeah, what's the, I want to hear Chris. You can't do it just on demand, okay? It's got to be in the moment. <laughs> you can do it on demand. Yeah, yeah maybe, 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 maybe you'll get that later. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let's 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 tee you up for it. Hopefully, everyone can hear this. <laughs> oh, <we can't. laughs> nailed it! <laughs> oh man! Oh man! 
as um, the best program. Loop back. It's, really good. <laughs> it's You guys are so lucky. I have not just been littering this audio with Listen, nonsense. It's your show, as it's we your say. Show, yeah. On this right. show. Um, you got to do what you want. We're just here. Is it the show? <laughs> It this is, is, I think it, this has been the show. It's, it's I, been the show if not, we need to start soon. I mean, it doesn't feel like the show, right? Based, what, okay, what was that whole conversation? You guys were having a whole conversation? What? No. Ahead, what? Huh? Based Justice on, wasn't uh, paying attention to our conversation, so he's now asking the TLDR on it. In the Slack channel. So we this is the only Slack person channel. that I've heard refer to, who actually say out loud the TLDR is too long. I say it all the time. All the time. I do that or you do that all the time? We both do it, I think. Uh, Sunday and I kind of have like uh, like we're sharing a spirit animal. Oh, yeah, on the show only. <laughs> <laughs> In real life, I'm nothing like him. <laughs> Just right. had to point I it out. Take to that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I mean, yeah, that's probably right. Actually, here's the real question. Do you think there's going to be a in-person elixir conf this year? And what talk should I submit? The only reason I went and got a shot this morning is for hope that there would be an in-person conference. Otherwise, I'd just stay home. <laughs> I'm hitting my two weeks. It's like next week. Right. And I'm fully vaxxed. I'm fully vaxxed, too. Vaxxed, waxed, ready to relax. I've been hearing that a lot lately. Nobody yep. takes a I, nobody takes a selfie when they're getting a flu vaccine, but they were all they had a big sign that said I got my vax like as oh, a word bubble and everybody was taking thing. their picture in front of it and I was like, I'm just gonna go sit in my chair. I'm good. Yeah, the selfie <laughs> thing CBS is just driving me nuts. I'm just gonna brag about it on my podcast. Yeah. I don't yeah. need a selfie. <laughs> I have an audio <laughs> selfie, it's an intellectual <laughs> selfie. Yeah, I'm a, Only I'm a, these normies I'm a gentleman of class and means. intellect with a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I say things like linear oh, algebra. Oh my gosh, my wife told somebody the other day that I have a podcast and I had almost died. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, so this actually, this actually ties back in, in into the conversation we were just having, which was like, I think we were coming really close to touching on this thing, which is like, I, I think that because we're all engineers... And we hang out with engineers and there's sort of like a, like smart people become engineers. Right. And so we only experience like hanging out with smart people that we have this and, and engineers generally like, we'll just learn things very easily and quickly compared to like normal people. And I think that maybe being surrounded by this like category of human being that we get like a false impression of what people are and think that like, Oh, anybody can just go learn like linear algebra because like everyone I hang out with and know can just pick up and learn linear algebra. But like, like my best friend from childhood, like definitely is not picking up linear algebra. Like, it's, sorry, it's, um, <laughs> it's the things that you're trying to pick up. It's because the people that you're around are picking up the same things that you're picking up, which is why it seems easy. Mm. Uh, I mean, go out and try to learn to do metallurgy and you'll run into that. There are people that are learning metallurgy that pick that up easily. And you may not. Or plumbing. Yeah. This is like when PJ exactly. was picking up woodworking. And so I went out and bought a bunch of woodworking stuff and just made the ugliest shop <laughs> see, table you've ever see. seen with like wood glue and like terrible like pinions sticking out. And like the legs were like at like slightly ang- slight angles. It was made terrible. Your own, honest. You made so, your own workbench so that you could not work on it ever again. Yeah. yeah. I, there's yeah, a lot I'm of machinists sure. that I've worked with yeah. in the past who were, who were more... Uh, who, who learned things easier than uh, other engineers that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I think there is a type of person who is self-motivated. Um, and it so happens to be that there's a lot of prestige that mm. gets attached to the types of things that we learn as of today. Right. Mm-hmm. Like in, as we sit here today, uh, tax day, well, not this year, but generally tax day. Uh, we can, you know, in the year in the year twenty twenty one, there there's a lot of prestige attributed to like you know calculus. That's amazing. I could never learn calculus. And it's like yeah, but I would. I still don't know how to like. I don't know. Cut like armatures on a lathe. Like, how do you do that? That's amazing. I don't even know what two of those <coughs> words are. Like, you know yeah, I mean? to be fair, everyone in the world takes a calculus class before they graduate high school. Or, well, Not watch yourself. Not yeah, you definitely yeah. don't have to. Okay, okay, okay. Most Americans at some point in their like public education are introduced to some form of calculus, right? No, probably. But the, but the idea Actually being not. that, like, you know, not, not in Maryland. <laughs> nope. It's really. 
Yeah. And my high school pre-calc was like, that was the minimum that you'd get to if you uh, I think geometry. So it was like geometry algebra was the one, highest, two, and geometry. Yeah. And then statistics was what every senior took. If you weren't taking like AB, like, or sorry, if you weren't taking AP classes, if you weren't taking AP classes, you could tap out after geometry and get to statistics and that was it. Yep. Okay, this is coming from a really, like, I'm terrible at math, but we were taking geometry in ninth grade. Didn't take out. If you were ahead of the curve, I took geometry in ninth grade with, like, all, because all my friends were doing it, not because I was like, oh, I want to be ahead of the curve in math. But Yeah, but, like, a lot of seniors were taking Calc 2. Didn't take yeah, Calculus. Yeah, I took that as a senior. Barely passed Trig. Failed. Almost failed out of college. <laughs> I, almost, I almost failed Trig. Um, yeah, Trig was hard. Trig, well, so, geometry... F- freshman year and then we took trig's sophomore year and i remember i hated this trig teacher <laughs> and i then got her two years in a row that hating a teacher is is probably what hurts most people in things that they would mm. might enjoy yeah, and love true. it's true yeah yeah mm-hmm. I read, it's, uh, it's okay chris i i i got a 1.2 my first semester 22 credit hours so we're in the yeah. same boat <laughs> Man, I look back on that on that transcript and I'm just like, oof, ooh, big oof, big oof. Wait, is this, is this, is this college for you? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Where to find yeah, I was, my I was transcript. a terrible high I school student, and then college, I finally turned it around. So mm, I was better in high school, and then in college, I was like, meh. My brother was like, not the greatest in high school, and then was like, whoosh, dean's list every single semester in college, and I was like, okay, opposite siblings. Yeah, I, I think some like some category of person, th- like this is my category of person that just rebels against being told what to do, and mm-hmm. so if you don't get to decide, you're just gonna do everything you can to sabotage it for yourself and everybody else. Versus when you go to college and it's totally on you, you're just you're gonna excel because it's what you want to do. Um, at least that's how it was for me. For me, I was just so tired. I, I had worked so hard in high school, every extracurricular, just all over the place. By the time I got to college, I was like, can I can I rest? No, no, this is not the time for resting. Darn it. <laughs> I was just too social. I just wanted to be around everybody. Somebody would walk by my room while I was doing homework. And I'd be like, what are you doing? I'm going to leave. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I think there's also a lot to be said about like programming as a thing is uh, very is largely thing? very no yeah well I thought about it a lot and I don't think <laughs> programming is a thing no I I think part of part of what makes programming difficult is the majority of programming uh, and being good at programming is this ability to hold abstract rules in your head and make inferences mm-hmm. about the abstract rules even if you don't know them so like yeah, yeah. it's basically can you just invent a world in your head where these rules make sense? And if you're good at that, then you have a natural proclivity to be good at programming. And if you are not good at that, uh, you're going to have to learn that because that's a huge part of what makes you a good programmer. And I don't know how to teach that either. And so like, I saw it when I was an adjunct teaching CS101 and being literally unable to, to teach like, how variable assignment work to people. Like they got to the end of the semester and didn't get that still. I, I th- I, so f- the first thing that occurred to me was that this, I was thinking of like composers who make like Bach or mm-hmm. Mozart or whatever. And how familiar. It's very similar. You have to be familiar with abstract concepts and their relationships to one another and then be able to use that to create something. But the other thing that kind of occurred to me was that we have such a diversity of types in, in this industry where for example, I had, was really bad at math uh, in high school, and and then uh, in college, I did not take a single math. Like I just, I was like, I'm not taking any math if I can avoid it. But I was always very good with the verbal stuff. And most of the, a lot of the people I meet in tech are kind of the opposite. And it's just interesting that you can kind of come to programming from either angle, either mm-hmm. a verbal mm-hmm. kind of creation of worlds and sort of logical articulation of things mm-hmm. or a mathematical abstract conception of things. Okay, Justice. Um, I guess maybe we are aligned in the uh, on, in the spiritual am- animal in the real world because I was also not a math, but a I verbal. I just feel like my spirit animal is probably like, like your here. spirit animal is probably like adorable <laughs> and fluffy <laughs> and my spirit animal is probably like a mangy wolfhound. Like... <laughs> But I think the like important howling thing is, like, at the moon. You can, you can div- like, I, I don't think that those things are mutually exclusive. And I also don't think that, I think the way math is taught is, ba- it, it, math is taught in like the worst ways possible. Well, math is taught uh-huh. where basically it's like, 
hey, it's what, about if we taught, what if we taught people music, but um, for five to 10 years, we only let people um, read music and not play exactly. it themselves. Exactly. And then when we did let them play it, we only gave them a kazoo. Well, I think that's just like, in general. Like, like that's math, how math is taught. Math and, math and the sciences. Like my parents went to school in Russia, right? And since they start, they start integrating like all of the sciences from the very beginning, right? Because mm-hmm. at the same time, you're learning something in math, you're learning something that relates in physics, you're learning something that relates in chemistry, right? And it becomes a lot more real world. We teach a lot of these things in a vacuum. And so it makes it a lot harder for folks to like grasp, like grasp understanding because they're only seeing it in a silo and they're not seeing the application of it in the real world mm-hmm. until much later. Science in particular is infuriating. Because the way they teach science is like, here's a bunch of facts that were figured out by gods. <laughs> and real science is iteratively experimenting on the world to reduce uncertainty about material reality. And they don't teach that at all. Like, a little bit. I was really lucky. I had a couple teachers. My fifth grade teacher brought a set of cow lungs into class. Just had those and, lying uh, around. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he like got it from a butcher. And, and he, he took As a vacuum do, cleaner. You know. As you do. As you do. I'm not even kidding. Took a vacuum like, cleaner. What do you need these for? He's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to take these and show them to a bunch of kids. Fifth graders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He sticks a vacuum cleaner and he blew up the lungs to demonstrate, like, the capacity of a pair of lungs, mm-hmm. right? And how much they expand as you, they breathe. One time he, he took me up to the front of the class. use a balloon? Because that's boring. If you, you, you have, get fifth listen, graders to pay attention to a balloon. There's a reason Justice remembers this. Well, no, this teacher, he he was the best teacher I ever had. He's my fifth grade teacher. And he focused a lot on character. Like, he always said to us things like, character is what you do when no one's looking. Um, And I was like, that stuck with me, right? He took me one time up the front of the class. He held me upside down by my ankles and had me eat a Ritz cracker to demonstrate that your esophagus is a muscle and it's not gravity that lets you swallow things. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this man is a genius. He's a genius. And so now my entire pedagogy, like, my actually – Normally on Thursday mornings, my nieces and nephews come over and we do like homeschool at my house. And uh, so you hold like, them I, upside I down. About, like, so I hold them yeah, upside like, down. How do I do stuff crackers. like this? Oh, oh man. All right, y'all. So I went and got I, a cow I don't ever want to see your character, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this has been super fun. You all should continue. I have to jump. Right, Anna. Um, but Bye, thanks Anna. for being on the show. Anna. Thank you, thank you for, for being on our show. Yeah. The show. Thanks, Anna. Amazing. Have a good thanks, day. Anna. Adios. Don't forget to upload anyway. your audio. <laughs> you know, I'll, a, just, I'll shout him out. I'll tell her. I'll tell her. As a as a total tangent, we you brought up kazoo's, uh, Chris. Um, the my one year old just figured out how to do kazoo's, and it is he. It's like the greatest thing for him. Oh so. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Especially when he he's like kazooing, and then. He like notices that you're watching and he starts to smile and then he can't kazoo anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll just throw in there too. I think that the notion that, um, you know, you can't learn some of this stuff and you can't learn like how to hold an abstract set of rules in your head and you can't learn like some of these innate things that some people just get is totally false. Like, um, I like ah, as a person who sucked at math and was not good at math, yeah. I have gone back and done a lot of remedial math and like I come out of it with a better understanding. I have used math in my goddamn job and it worked. <laughs> and, like, I know, I know, but, but here's the danger, Chris. Chris, here's the, I think the danger of this, which I, th- I like, oh man, I can't think of a good corollary, but okay, so. The danger of this is that in assuming that ju- everybody can, we we make decisions based on that assumption. And I mean, like I hang out with a very mixed group of people like in real life, and I just don't actually see that most adults – I think it's like some subset of adults do and some sub- subset of adults don't. And then like the vast majority is probably in the middle, you know? But I feel like it's extremely da- – it's kind of like um, – how do I put it? Like – Okay, like we have a lot of moral axioms in our culture, right? Like moral axioms like murder is always wrong, right? Now, that only makes sense in the context of our culture, right? It's because we've like taught this over so many years. Like if we get rid of that stuff, like there's going to be some subset of the culture that just doesn't have like an an, an internal locus of control that says, oh, yeah, murder's wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so – and the same thing is true I think for intellectual pursuits, which is like some subset of the culture just does not have like the mechanical – whatever the – facilities are to do this right and so 
like when we make these assumptions about people's sort of base level of intellectual capability or base level of moral intuition, uh, I think we get in this situation where like, oh yeah, like w- with our groups, you know, yeah, anybody can learn anything. You know, I, if I wanted to go learn rocket science, like whatever, give me like six months in a textbook and we'll do it. Oh, you know? you're basically Elon Musk. Oh, I made a, I, I, I got lucky yeah. one time and they're making it easier for people to make uh, payments on the internet. So I should definitely know how to get kids out of a <laughs> collapsed cave. To be fair, he got lucky with the map. He got lucky with the maps thing first, and then he got lucky with the stupid. Uh, I was successful uh, one time in all of my thing. ventures, and that probably means that I'm an expert at this new one. We're going to Mars. We're going I mean, to Mars. <laughs> going to Mars. I mean, the, the man lands a, rockets a on boats does. in the ocean. No, no, no the people that work for him <laughs> land rockets on boats in the ocean. Oh, in any case, man. come you, you on! Don't, you think he's sitting there doing all of that math? Wait, I can't tell what no, side no, of this I you're mean, arguing for. Justice is almost always arguing both. No, I think the unnecessary, like, I, I, think I saw this yesterday. This guy was like, like, he was like, he's like, Bezos and Elon, these richest people on the planet, and all they care about this space crap. And the guy was an economist, right? And I'm like, bro, you're talking about rocket science being a waste of time or money or expenses, whatever, and you're an econ Like, I studied economics in college, so I know it's a waste of time. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> And you're and you're gonna be judging the literal like literal right. I don't know. So like Elon and, and and Jeff Bezos both get like. And I don't even like Jeff Bezos. I think Amazon is super wicked, like acquisitive, bad for capitalism, whatever. Um, you know. But uh, like I don't know. This whole argument that like space travel is not worth it or whatever. Not, like I'm, we wouldn't have hearing aids or Tempur-Pedic mattresses and and like oh like he's not smart. He's like obviously a genius. <laughs> like fun story. This is a good tangent. I was with my uh, in-laws, and uh, we were sitting there, and they were watching a football game, and I looked at, like, my – and it was a very extended family. live out in the middle of Kansas, uh, very rural Kansas, and just, like – and, like, the true salt of the earth, right? These are all, like, nurses and fire fire people and police officers and, like, teachers and, like, like the the true, like, beating heart of of this world, right? And – I was like, I made a joke to my brother-in-law who's woke and lives in New York. And um, and if you don't know he lives in New York, he'll tell you within at least like 30 seconds. It's like he's he's like a oh, vim, they always do. He's like yep. a vim user. You know what I mean? Like People if, who even once if you don't lived know, in New York he'll find out. will tell you about it within 30 seconds. Oh, I lived in New York. Yeah. Sorry. Well, you know, listen, I know what's going on. I lived in New York. <laughs> um, so, Which means you don't. <laughs> in any case, uh, I looked over and I was like, you know, this entire football game, we could basically fund NASA for at least like the next year. We just like took all their salaries and I was making a bad joke because I was feeling awkward. And uh, one of my wife's cousins looked at me and he's like, yeah, but what's NASA ever really even done? Yep. And I was like, yep. Got to the moon. Yep. No, you're right. <laughs> have you, nothing. Have, have like you ever looked at the Mariner missions? people for 10 years. <laughs> Nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely nothing. Later on, they were looking at my other brother-in-law's new phone. He's like, that's, that's the new uh, iPhone, huh? He's like, yep. He's like, it's an iPhone 10, iPhone X. I was like, yep. He's like, what do you think the next one's going to be? I don't know. Maybe the XA. Or it could be the XB. And then it would be the XC. I was like, I think it's just going to be the 11. <laughs> It's good. It's good. It's a good family reunion. <laughs> oh, I love your accent, though. Uh, <laughs> the heart yeah, blood of well, America, okay. right here, ladies and gentlemen. Salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. And it really yeah, is, yeah. really is the truth. <clears throat> it, we need all types. In, in we need case, all types. I'm just yeah. recommending that if you don't believe that, if you if you've, are like if you didn't get math. It may not be because you don't get math. <laughs> it may be because right, right. you like, you know, you were given a kazoo. So like, try it out. Try it yeah, again. So, so th- this I will also agree with. Um, I think you're right that the education is terrible and that most people can get math. And I think that I'm just saying we like the same way we're really good at accommodating the good outliers in our society. We need to be also as good at accommodating the the not as good outliers, right? Like. So, yeah, but I agree that probably the vast majority of people can figure this stuff out, and it's just an educational problem. I'm happy to blame it on the education system for sure. And I'm I also not surprised. think some amount of it is like people putting in their own blockers of like, oh, I just can't do math, so I'm not even going to try. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. because we, that's, that's we really learned that. That's really the thing I want to I tear down. It's like, don't yeah. put up your own walls and go, like, I can't yes. do this because, like, which I, you know, like, there's a huge, oh, let's, let's be clear, there's a huge heaping five tablespoons of privilege that goes into saying stuff like that. Like, you know, just go out and do it. And it's like, oh, yeah, because you just have time and money to be able to go do that. Of course you can go do that. Right? And but I like, feel like this is actually, like, how we started talking about math more often, or at least this was the turning point for me when I started talking about math again was, like, on the Randall Thomas episode of the uh, Elixir Wizards podcast, we were talking to Randall, and uh, when I took a when I took the Bruce class, the Graxio class uh, about Live View, and it was with Randall Thomas, and I said to Randall at some point, "Oh, I'm just bad at math." He was like, "No, you're wrong. Nobody's bad at math." And he like went on this tangent, and I was like, "Oh my gosh." I didn't know what did I say? What did I do? Yeah. And then we See, brought him on. Yeah, yes. and then we brought him onto the show. And Eric and Justice like, nah, made me ask him what he meant. <laughs> I, I totally agree with Randall. Um Yeah, should, and like they, now now I've come around to that way of thinking. This has been like, oh, it's been a year. Oh my gosh. There's it's a, been an actual year. Uh a book. I linked it in in our Slack channel, uh, A Mind for Numbers by Barbara Oakley. Where and oh, she that. was failing at, at math and ends up she's a math professor now and it's pretty amazing and she talks about how to how to learn all that and i think it's just that we often have teachers that have one approach maybe two Mm -hmm. and there's probably 50 different approaches and maybe you just haven't found yours or you were preoccupied with something else at the time that you tried to learn it so oh man that for some reason that just gave me a flashback to calculus where in high school our teacher was trying to teach us, uh, was it in- integration? Where it, uh, it's the line of the slope. Integral? Or the, integral. The, 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 yeah, the slope of the line, whatever the, I've, I've forgotten. But anyways, he was, the way he taught us was he was up on the, he was like, I'm cleaning my gutters, and then the, the ladder slips, and I'm starting to fall, and I go, point to my daughter and go, quick, go get the calculator to see the, my rate of descent. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those high quality math jokes right there. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's, that's top drawer math jokes. Really good. Yeah, yeah. Top yeah. drawer. Well, we've been on here. I'm not surprised that this. Yeah, I was about to say I'm not surprised that when uh, all of us get together, we somehow produced the math episode. But uh, here we are. Is this? Tell, tell us how this went. Was this like you know? What yeah. you're expecting better than you we just talk, hope for it together. Yeah, we just talk about okay. stuff. And sometimes we talk about Elixir. I had a bunch of there Elixir, was Elixir topics in the middle. queued. I had a bunch of Elixir topics queued up. We just never got over to. Like umbrellas. Mm-hmm. What they umbrellas that sounds are, like. Umbrellas are garbage. <laughs> uh, still are garbage. Still yep. not a fan. My opinion on umbrellas has not changed since day one. And uh, and the most recent umbrella I'm working on is just as bad as the first one I worked on. So I appreciate Wojtek. Cool. I, I know... You've spent a ton of time on this, <laughs> and it's not any shade against you. I just don't like it when people do, quote-unquote, domain design in Umbrella apps. It's a bad idea. I don't Can think we say that something we... nice about Live View? It's cool. It exists. Sorry. It exists. Um, Making so... modal sucks whether you're doing it in Live View or JavaScript. <laughs> that's, my, that's my take so far. Um, and also context. I just think contexts are probably not what you want. Mm-hmm. Contexts? Yeah. There's Wait. a lot of that's a mm, that's a whole. Are we at the end of the show? No, no, because no, that's no, a whole right episode. No, no. Uh, <laughs> we, but I gotta know at least like what the what the is, you, am I supposed you to wanna, say the you whole thing? Know the is, it, is it too long didn't context? read or the TLDR? I just want the TLDR, the too long didn't read, whatever. Yeah, go ahead. Here, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take it and turn it. Uh, what's <laughs> okay. the goal of design? What's the goal of design to software? Oh, so, so, software design, obviously, right? Like in this context, like what's the goal of software design? Yeah. What's the intent? To come up with a solution that doesn't suck. <laughs> uh, okay, that's, sure. That's not I, bad. Uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, sure. I would say to come up with a solution that reduces complexity and is able to change with the changing requirements of the world around you. Okay. That's basically how I would describe it as well. That would That's how I would describe the goal. But there's a lot of other weasel words in there. And you know how I am, Amos. You know how I am about these weasel words that programmers start you throwing around, like refactor, when they just mean break stuff. <laughs> and like... <laughs> You know, uh, programmers in general. Wait, use, is that what refactor means? 
programmers in general. Is this where we're supposed use... to bring up business logic? We need a Chris Keithley lexicon. We just need like like some kind of mapping between the words everyone else uses and the and what is inside. Don't worry, Chris Keithley. I just say what just I'm going to let you finish. Like if if I'm if I'm gonna if I'm gonna if I'm gonna like change a piece of code, I don't say refactor. I say what I'm going to actually do. Like I need to improve performance of this. So I'm going to take this naive linked list and turn it into a uh, map with index keys. So if I say I need to pull a bunch of business logic out of the controller and put it into the model, is that adequate? Uh, I mean, I would listen. I'm not going to correct you, right? I don't correct anybody else for using the term refactor. Like I hear them all use it and I don't go like, well, actually it's not, what are you actually trying to do? You know, like I don't get all uppity with people. I just don't personally use these words. So I would not correct you. Like I would, I know what you're talking about and I know what your intent is. And so I'm not going to like tell you you're doing it wrong, but I don't personally use those words. But wait, so then contexts. Yeah. Justice, I'm telling you, there's a whole episode to be had yeah. on just this conversation. There's no way. Yeah, but just give me. Just also, give me like, I, I don't think there's a CLDR. Encapsulating means. logic into a an actual, probably non-reusable piece that uh, you probably care about what's happening in there at a different level of what you're putting it anyway. And most uh, people using context that I run to, you have a context that links directly to a database table. So you're just, you're, it's not really or a you context. have a one-to-one mapping of like controller actions to calls into your context, mm-hmm. right? Like that gets pretty close. They present very non-reusable pieces of, uh, non-reusable modules. And the goal of design is to, first of all, understand that requirements are never fixed. Your software is never a fixed a fixed point. There's no nothing static about it, and that, that that goes for everything. By the way, it's the code itself, the team you're on, the requirements, the feature set, the infrastructure it's running in, all that stuff. Like nothing about the software that, in general, we work on is fixed. If you're building a compiler or a theorem solver, probably fixed. But we don't work in those sorts of things in general, right? And I would go so far as I would hazard a guess that the majority of people listening to this, all ten of you, are not working in uh, a system wherein you control everything forever. You control something for a single point in time. And you need to maintain software such that it can live for an extended period of time in general. Can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. And this is a very specific question, but like, what do you have an open source project that you like to use as an example of like good Elixir design? Oh, um, wait, don't tell us, Keith Lee. Tell us in a talk. You were gonna. No, you were tell gonna, me now. No. This is a genuine question. No. I want to no. know now. Like, I, uh, I want to know Lee now. Keith is like, going to do a talk on this. This is an open question, this. by the way. I wanna, At a I wanna, particular I conference aim, that's coming then, up, then, correct? Then Amos, can Chris? you also answer the question so that I can actually have questions answered, like in real time? That's the whole point of a podcast, right? We're at an hour and eight minutes, and uh, everyone stopped listening at this I've, point. So I've it's just I've had two glasses of water, and I'm ready to roll. <laughs> I think the only thing missing to make this an Outlaws episode is, what did your uh, daughters have for breakfast, Chris? Oh, uh, oatmeal. <laughs> oh, and what does uh, Amos's shirt say? Test all the things. Um, test all the things in JavaScript. I do, real quick, though, have to tell you, Amos, do you know what the, the theme of our next season is on the Elixir Wizard Of your podcast? next season? Mm-hmm. Contexts are awesome. I have no... <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I'm asking Amos specifically. Testing. Uh, is is this uh, have to do with business ownership? Catholicism. No. Nope. Consultancies. Catholicism. No way. Catholicism. Yes. It is. We are going to be talking about beam magic. So a lot about the beam, but a lot about magic, inspired by a tweet by one and only Amos. We want to talk really? about magic. It was inspired by an Amos tweet. Yeah. Was it a famous Amos tweet? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, you can DM me hey, with the, we'll uh, about, we'll start, your favorite let's, let's, GitHub let's repo. Let's stop the show and then we'll go talk about it. We'll keep the people and let's, and then you know we'll we'll figure it out. Rock and right. roll. Great show, everybody. This was what, good. What do I do? Amazing. Summer? We'll see you all later. <laughs>